When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up here. There's something we should all be doing. It's going to improve your life, make every day a little bit better. And that is eat more Reese's peanut butter cups. Yes, think about it. All the gurus, all the coaches out there, they've never said the words, eat more Reese's. I mean, that combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter. I mean, this is something that brings other people and ourselves joy. That's why there's two in a pack. Shop Reese's peanut butter cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold and often in my pantry because I love these. How is your sock drawer looking? I know when I open up mine, it is a sad scene. There's lone socks, holy socks. Well, guess what? It's spring cleaning, which means Bomba's Spring Collection is here, and they have new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They've got stripes and florals, all new, vintage colored rib socks. I love them. They are the best sock your feet have ever been in. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bomba's. Head on over to bombas.com slash bonkers and use the code bonkers for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O- bombas.com slash bonkers. Use the code bonkers at checkout. Blackberry tablets, how to deal with your drunk friends, and locksmiths talk back. Everybody places, because it's time for How Did This Get Made? Last Looks. Hello, all my trustworthy locksmiths. I'm your host, Paul Shear, and welcome to How Did This Get Made? Last Looks, where you get to voice your issues on Grand Piano. Jason and I chat about the stuff that we are currently into, plus a very extended Better Call Saul reaction to the mid-season finale with Cody and Devin. And we're going to reveal next week's movie, plus I'm going to try to solve your problems on Paul's helpline. This is truly the longest episode of Last Looks that we have ever done. And I'm so excited that it was kicked off by our friend, Dan and Rochester with that amazing theme song. Thank you, Dan. And we love these songs so much. If you have songs for Last Looks, please send them to how did this get made at earwolf.com. But keep them short. 15 to 20 seconds is best. We are looking for some Last Look main themes. We got a new title. We need a new song. So this is going to kick off our show. Do it like Dan from Rochester. Let's get some new songs in here. Now let's get into it. I know we talk a lot about movies, but there are bigger issues out in the world. You got problems. Let me solve them. It is time for the Paul Helpline. Thank you, Neon Sweatsuit. Uh, here we go. We're going to ch- first check in with our friend Valerie in Phoenix. Take it away, Valerie. Hi, Paul. Uh, this is Valerie from Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. 
Um, a quick question for you. I was living in California for a few years and I am back in Arizona. Um, and I don't drink as much as I used to, if at all. Uh, the only thing is the people that, you know, are still here that are my friends do drink often. So I'm just trying to figure out ways to hang out with my friends, and we're all in our mid to late 30s. I'm just trying to figure out ways that we can hang out that don't involve drinking all night. Um, I hope, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Have a good day. Valerie, this is a really interesting question. Um, I think if you want to find something to do with your friends that doesn't include drinking, you may have to be the person that is running the night. You're going to have to be the dungeon master of your friends, which takes a lot of work. But uh, I think you can pull it off. You got to find things for them to do because left to their own devices, they just want to pop open some beers, kick back with some booze. And you can still do that, but maybe you have them more focused. Whether or not that is, I mean, I'll go basic play cornhole, right? Or you do like a little trivia night, uh, board games, go out, escape rooms, concerts, a movie night. Like you got to find some activities. You have to do a lot more planning. I think, um, I don't know if any of those things will work, but I think if you can set the tone and find different places to go, they may still be drinking, but you can do whatever you want to do and not just be focused on that. So not every activity is a bar. And if it isn't a bar, you can find different ways to attack it. That would be my advice. I know it's not like great uh, advice, but I think there are plenty of things you can do. Um, and I know that especially now after post-pandemic, there are so many ways to even get group hangs over Zoom if people are still doing that. I don't know what your friend's comfort levels are. Just even go out for a nice meal. Go out for a nice meal. You know, I, I've been doing that with my friends uh, on Tuesday nights. Lovely. Just lovely to have a plan. And I think that's really what I'm coming down to is like, I don't know what your friend group is into, but if you make a plan, if you make a little bit of effort, if you learn a board game, you teach them a board game, you will bring them all together. It could be a simple board game. I love phase 10. I'm a big phase 10 head. It's just rummy, a little bit more complex, but it's great. Anyway, that's what I would say. You have to run your group, run them like a company. All right, next up, Jessica from Ontario. Hey, Paul, it's Jessica from Ontario, Canada. And yeah, just another Canadian who got a pool thanks to listening to your advice. So I just want to say thank you so much because that was some really solid advice. You, you, I felt like you were speaking to me. You were like, yep, if you have, you know, um, the money and you have the time, just do it. And so, yeah, I did it. Anyways, it's a great call. So good call. Anyways, I wanted to say thank you. And I'm coming to Los Angeles in September. And so my question is, what are some cool things to do in LA? I only have like three days and I've been there once before and it was okay, but, uh, I don't know. What are some kind of things that maybe people haven't thought of that would be fun to do? All right. Thank you so much. First of all, Jessica, 
Thank you. Thank you for calling in with that. It makes me feel good. And by the way, I might take my own advice and get a pool at one of these points. I mean, I've talked about it a lot. I love a pool. It's, you know, and then it's always like, well, is it, do I have enough money? Is it the right expense? And you wrestle with it. But what I've realized is all this time debating it, I would have been using it. So uh, I'm going to take my own advice eventually. One of these days. We'll see. In LA, it's a real pain in the ass to get all these people together. But anyway, uh, you are looking for cool things to do in LA on a three-day trip. Well, it depends on what you're into. If you like music and comedy, you got to go check out Largo right? Um, you can also check out places like Dynasty Typewriter. Uh, do They do great shows over there, um, as well as Largo has some bigger name talent. Actually, they both have big name talent. They're both great places to go. But if you like, uh, you know, I want to kind of figure out what you are into. If you want to just do like more of the Hollywood thing, uh, the Warner Brothers studio tour is really fun. It's a little bit more behind the scenes as much as it can be, but it's an actual functioning studio. It's not like Universal where like Jaws attacks you. Um, but I would also suggest doing some day trips, finding different areas to go to. Like depending on when you're here, you know, there are different places that are close by, whether or not you want to enjoy like the beach, but not just like Venice. You could go up a little bit, go up to like Santa Barbara yeah, and check out that and drive by Oprah's compound. Uh, you can go out to Ojai. It's like, I got to know a little bit more. Uh, there's great music here between the Wiltern and the Hollywood Bowl. Those are like really, well, Hollywood Bowl is a one of a kind experience, truly. Um, so what I would recommend is just like I told Valerie, figure out what do you want to accomplish? Do you want to, are you a beach person? Are you a show person? Are you an eating person? Uh, if you're an eating person, infatuation, Eater LA, they're going to tell you the best places to go, but make those reservations early. Make sure you know where you want to go. You can do breakfast, lunch, and dinner here and be eating like the best food imaginable. Sushi is amazing out here. You got to get that sushi. You got to get some great, great stuff. Anyway, that's my advice. Jessica, tell me how that works. Um, if you need some advice or a second opinion, give me a call at 619-P-A-U-L-A-S-K. That's 619-728-5275. Um, everybody, we are going on tour in August. Um, we'll be announcing our tour the week of Labor Day. So not uh, on May 30th, but we'll be announcing, I believe, uh, early that week. But if you want to make sure you're the first person to get tickets, please sign up for our mailing list. Uh, we are kind of going right up the center of the country. We're starting in Texas. We're ending in Chicago. We have a lot of stops uh, up, <laughs> up the, uh, not up the coast, up the mid uh, so we hope that you join us. We're so excited to go back on the road and see you all. So uh, make sure you sign up for our mailing list. Just go to hdtgm.com to get all the info on that. And we'll be right back with your questions and comments and concerns about Grand Piano. And don't worry, locksmiths, you will have your chance to speak. We'll be right back right after this break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. I love Squarespace. I'm in the middle of trying to balance my business life and my real life. This work-life balance, it's tough, but Squarespace has been helping me by giving me the tools to reach my goals and have time to celebrate. That's right. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online with the guided design system of Squarespace Blueprint. You can select from curated layouts to styling options, optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools 
Tools Plus make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. You can accept credit cards, PayPal, Apple Pay, plus with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about. You choose your tone and enter what you need to get auto-generated perfect text. Anyway, I love Squarespace. I've been building sites with them from the beginning. And when I launched my book, I said I'm doing it all myself on Squarespace, and I'm very pleased with it. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com bonkers to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Today's episode is brought to you by Cap'n Crunch. Who said the kids get to have all the breakfast fun time? Break away from the ordinary with Cap'n Crunch and bring back the spirit of adventure to your mornings. Everyday life can be stressful, but a tasty bowl of Cap'n Crunch is an escape from morning monotony. Enjoy the bold flavors like original Cap'n Crunch, Crunch Berries, Oops All Berries, and Peanut Butter. Plus, the crunch you love is now available in cinnamon, and it is delicious even in a sea of milk. The crunch of Cap'n Crunch is epic. Yes, my family is all in on the cinnamon Captain Crunch. I didn't think you could make it better, but they did. I love my Captain Crunch, and now I love sharing it with my kids. Join the crew for your next breakfast time crunch venture. Get Captain Crunch's new cinnamon crunch now at a retailer near you, and learn more at CaptainCrunch.com. I recently went to the Telluride Comedy Festival, and I was sick and tired of staying in the same kind of cookie-cutter places, and I went on Airbnb, and I found a perfect spot for me and the family. We had an amazing time because we felt like home. Then I realized, wait a second, what if I could give that feeling to someone else? Yes, that's the best part. When you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. That's right. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who have never thought about it or didn't even realize that their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and you can make someone feel great and make a little bit of money too because we all need a little bit of money and maybe your talent or your gift to the world is having a killer place. So if you have a home, but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, so last week we talked at length about Grand Piano. We had questions. Uh, we might have even missed a few things. And here's your chance to set us straight. Fact check us, if you will. It is time for Corrections and Omissions. Yes. Thank you, Mike Thomas, for that great theme. Let's start with a um, an email from Alan. Alan writes, hey, it's the Q&A opera guy from a decade ago. Well, hey, I remember you, Alan. Uh, in the latest podcast, the three of you giggled at the thought of musical fail compilations, except that they are rampant. That's right. Classical musicians are petty assholes, just like everyone else. So yes, if you go searching for trumpet fails or orchestra meltdowns, they aren't hard to find. Singers, particularly young ones, love watching old clips of the greats cracking on high notes and forgetting lines. Classical musicians, they are just like us. And I have to tell you, when I got that email, I started searching around and he is not wrong. Alan, you've now opened me to my new favorite type of blooper. Uh, All right. Off to the Discord, which you can join by going to discord.gg slash hdtgm. Uh, side of Mick G says, Paul commented on the British actor doing an American accent. Easy mistake since Alan Leach was in Downton Abbey and has played British characters numerous times and other things, but he's actually Irish. We get very prickly about being called British. Well, you know what? 
I apologize. And you are right. And you know what? I make another one of these mistakes uh, in the newest episode that we just recorded live at Largo last week. So I am sorry for uh, misidentifying people. uh, And I'm and I support all my Irish brothers because I am also Irish. I am. I am indeed. Uh, So here we go. County Cork. That's where we're from. Whiskey Street writes in Grand Piano, even if there was some way to determine which bank the safe deposit key would go to, you'd need at least two forms of ID to enter into a safe deposit box. Having a key does not make you a primary owner of the box. In 2013, some banks had already implemented biometrics, that's fingerprint scans and ID to get into safe deposit boxes. So... What was John Cusack's plan once he found the bank? He would have no way to access the box and would have been turned away or arrested if he tried to get into a safe deposit box that didn't belong to him. Thank you, Whiskey Street, for calling that out. And now, on to our trustworthy, how did this get made, locksmith. Uh, So many people have weighed in, and we are so appreciative to have so many uh, amazing locksmith listeners. Uh, Bertie writes, as a locksmith, I can say this is the first time I've ever heard this oath, and it isn't a thing, it is in practice. (laughs) Sorry. Locksmiths. Do pick locks as a mean to gain entry for people who are locked out. This is a small part of my job, uh, though mostly is uh, rekeying, fixing and installing house locks or replacing lost key vehicles or vehicle keys. Important to note that most criminals are breaking into a house either by forceful entry, kicking the door or simply walking into a house through an unlocked door. Not so much picking a lock to gain entry. Well, thank you, Bertie. Yeah, I guess you kind of like set us straight there. Uh, we're kind of creating a, a much bigger mystique than people should just lock their fucking doors. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Um, first one on the phone sheet is Jerem and Nathan. They are trustworthy. How did this get made? Locksmiths. Hi, Paul. Uh, my name's Jerem Wynn. I just uh, finished listening to the Grand Piano episode. I was a locksmith in college. Um, and I can uh, definitely tell you that there is virtually no connection to uh, the criminal underworld being a locksmith. Um, keep up the great work. And I uh, just wanted to, to point out that not all locksmiths are criminals um, and, and that June can probably rest easy about that. This is Nathan Holland calling from Anchorage in response to locksmith questions and concerns from Grand Piano. Uh, one, locksmithing did used to be a family business. Uh, my dad's side and Midwest was for generations. My grandma was rightfully proud of being the first female locksmith in Minnesota. This is a predominantly male-dominated field. Um, usually you just work your way up from house calls uh, to be a security consultant. That's more push. Uh, two, because of the high potential for security risk as you take stuff like safe cracking classes, uh, everyone has to get registered, licensed, fingerprinted, FBI background check, et cetera. Uh, and then, for the record, I've never heard of the locksmith code, ever. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We need to hear more from our locksmiths. Uh, we appreciate this call. Uh, that is great. So great. Uh, I can't say anything more than I love that we have activated this part of our listening community. Now we go to Nick from Rhode Island. Hey, Paul. This is Nick from Rhode Island calling in about the Grand Piano episode. Funny episode, as always. I just wanted to note something you guys mentioned about the shard of glass that was held there by Alex Winter, and then it cut to the violin. This may have been just the version I was watching on Canopy. Shout out to my library for making it free for me. I'm watching the version on Canopy, and you actually see Alex Winter bring the shard of glass up to the neck of the sister, making a slicing a slicing motion across her neck, which is kind of disturbing, and it cross-cuts immediately to the violin there. Not sure if it was 
or the cello. I'm not sure if that was the version that you may have seen on Amazon Prime or wherever you watched it, but just wanted that out there for people to know. Thank you so much. Take care. Nick, sadly, this is my fault. Um, I think that I'm too dry. A lot of the times I see people commenting on things that I say in the show as if I'm not saying them sarcastically. And maybe because I do things too dryly, people think that I actually didn't know what was going on. Of course, I knew that he was slicing her throat. That was the joke. The joke was it was such a dumb edit. Like, oh, like, oh, we're not going to show that, but we'll show. It was just like a comment on how lame that edit was. So I appreciate you telling me what actually happened, but I did know that. Um, But this is, uh, you're not alone. I, I, I say things sometimes without any like, haha, that was a joke I made. And, uh, and, and I, and I understand why people react to it like that. So uh, thank you, Nick, for doing the due diligence of trying to explain it to me. Although I did know. Uh, all right. Next up, Joe in Atlanta. Hey, Paul, this is Joe from Atlanta. I'm calling with an omission, uh, about the movie Grand Piano. So I'm actually a full-time musician in the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. And for me, one of the glaring inaccuracies in the movie is the stage setup. So the piano in the movie is positioned behind the orchestra and up on a riser. And this basically, like, never happens. Soloists are always placed in front of the orchestra so the audience can hear and see them. I assume, like, this stage setup is probably to facilitate him constantly leaving the stage, which, as you noted, is definitely crazy. But this is a pretty obvious error for anyone who has seen an actual symphony orchestra concert. So thanks for all you do. Love the show. Bye. Well, this is interesting, Joe. Uh, I did not know that about the stage setup. It did seem odd. But I will say that somebody else wrote to me and they said that um, it is not uncommon for pianists to leave the stage. Uh, but leaving the stage in the way that he left is the un- the weird thing. So I appreciate that. We now know about the bad stage setup. Back to the Discord. Enigma writes, here to clarify the details on the tablet and grand piano. I used to work at BlackBerry until 2012, and that is a BlackBerry playbook. I'm 1,000% sure they paid to have it featured in this movie. You can see the BlackBerry logo on the box and on the tablet itself, which is face down when he's listening to it in the dressing room later. We all knew at the time that a tablet uh, that no one was asking for would be a disaster when the phones were not competing with Apple and Android anymore. To be fair, the tablet was eventually pretty good, but it was half-baked at launch and failed to live up to any expectations. And seeing that they paid to have it in this movie is just like another slew of bad decisions they kept on making around this time, like laying off their entire U.S. headquarters while hiring Alicia Keys to be a global creative director. Wow, did not even realize that. BlackBerry uh, was the end-all be-all, and then they lost out. I hate that because... Uh, you just see how fickle this whole world is. Anyway, Rob from Long Island says, playing a piece of music on the piano perfectly is not really a thing. doesn't have to be the right tempo. Does the tempo have to be consistent? Most piano players will vary tempo depending on the feeling of that part of the piece. What about note velocity? Well, some notes will be played full force. Some will be played much more lightly. It's the humanity of the player that makes that happen. You can't have a machine that measures the tempo and velocity of every key and evaluate it. It's so-called perfection. Being a great piano player doesn't mean you pressed all the right buttons in the right order. That's right. This is not a guitar hero, Rob from Long Island. I appreciate that. And I, I know that because 
John Bryan came on my Largo show one time and described how certain penis have been misinterpreted throughout history um, because we don't have actual recordings of them. So people go, oh, this is what they meant to sound like when he actually was showing us how songs were played the first time they actually were played. And it, it's sort of like this weird way of every, well, not a weird way, every player Break something completely different to it. That's why, uh, you know, we got the Hollywood vampires who do all those covers. Anyway, wow, so many great uh, corrections and omissions this week, but there can only be one that is the best. And this week, you get the best thing that we have to offer, which is an amazing song for you. And you know who it is? I think it's going to be... Hmm... I mean, we have so many locksmiths out there, but I'm going to give it to Enigma for working at BlackBerry, doing the work, letting us know what that was because we didn't know. So John Wenzel, hit the theme for Enigma. You win. You win. You win nothing at all. But you're still cool. Thank you, Enigma. I hope you enjoy that amazing theme. And if you want to chime in with your own thoughts about the latest episode, hit us up on the Discord at discord.gg slash hdtgm or call us at 619-PAUL-ASK. Coming up next, we're going to announce our next movie. We're going to hear from Movie Bitches. I'm going to check in with Jason all the things that we watch. And Cody, Devin, and I are going to have a Better Call Saul mid-series season finale chat. Anyway, we'll be right back after this. Here's the thing, people. Walmart Plus is the membership that saves you time and money on the stuff you'd expect, but also on the stuff you don't. Let me explain. Did you know with your Walmart Plus membership, you can save money on gas? Yeah. Save gas while you drive the kiddos to soccer practice, plus visit your in-laws, plus venture into the wilderness, plus wherever you want to go. Because Walmart Plus also saves you time and money with free delivery, perfect for ordering new remote batteries or coffee when somebody finishes it without telling you. And then, you know, eat all your snacks that you have stored in the back of that pantry for movie night. How dare they? Plus, you can actually even save on the actual movies with a Paramount Plus subscription. Stream Top Gun Maverick plus Mean Girls plus Jack Reacher plus so much more because savings is what this whole Walmart Plus membership is all about anyways. Members save on gas plus free delivery plus Paramount Plus, plus so much more. Start a free 30-day trial at www.walmartplus.com. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions, $35 order minimum, Paramount Plus essential plan only, separate registration required. Here's something that we've known since the dawn of bread. Everything is better sliced. Let me explain. Slice a pineapple, you get a blast of fresh fruit. Slice some jeans, get some jorts. That's why the new Captain Morgan Sliced went all in on four bold, deliciously sliced cocktail-style flavors, including pineapple daiquiri, strawberry margarita, mango mai tai, and passion fruit hurricane. Try the new Captain Morgan Sliced because sliced is better. Visit CaptainMorgan.com to find sliced near you. Does not contain real fruit or juice. Captain Morgan Sliced, premium flavored malt beverage with natural flavor and certified color. Captain Morgan and Co. Plainfield, Illinois. Please drink responsibly. 21 plus. When you're thinking of hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching. And you know what? Did you know 
that 70% of users don't even visit other leading job sites? If you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. LinkedIn knows that small businesses might not have the time or resources, so they're constantly finding ways to make the process easier. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate in 24 hours, and they even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier easier and quicker post your job for free at linkedin.com slash valuable that's linkedin.com slash valuable to post your job for free terms and conditions apply um you might be noticing we are doing a new thing with how did this get made uh in our back catalog we are pulling it back out and every week we are re-releasing an old episode into the stream this week's re-release is con air and over at unspooled we're covering Top Gun. So check out that little uh, mix and match there. I actually really love our Top Gun episode. We're in the middle of animation over on Unspooled where we're only covering animated films. And Top Gun's a really special one because we're getting ready for Maverick. But more importantly, Amy Nicholson, my co-host on that show, uh, wrote the book on Tom Cruise and brings a lot of insight and information about Top Gun and Tom Cruise at this stage in his career that I never really heard before. So check out uh, Top Gun on Unspooled and check out Con Air in your stream or watch my YouTube recap. And I've been doing those every week on my YouTube page. So head on over to my YouTube page, subscribe there, and you can see uh, little exclusives from the show. Now that we got Grand Piano out of the way, let's talk about next week's movie, okay? We went from defending locksmiths to questioning everything that we thought we knew about the moon. That's right. Next week, we are watching Moonfall. All right, here's a short breakdown of the plot. When a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it, NASA executive and former astronaut Joe Fowler is convinced that she has the key to saving us all, but only one astronaut from her past and a conspiracy theorist believe her. These unlikely heroes will mount an impossible last-ditch mission into space and find out that our moon isn't what we think it is. And boy, oh boy, I have been waiting to do this movie for such a long time. And let's tell you what Rotten Tomatoes thinks. Rotten Tomatoes rates this film as a 36% on the tomato meter, but a whopping 70% audience score. And I got to tell you, Jason, June, and I all believe you should watch it. Uh, Christy Lemire from Film Week on KCPP and NPR says this movie is totally stupid, but perhaps not stupid enough. Well, I dare say I disagree, Christy. Anyway, let's listen to the trailer. I need you to get me in touch with NASA immediately. Well, NASA and I aren't really on speaking terms these days. Well, that'll change. When you tell them that the moon is out of orbit. We're dealing with an intelligent entity. We're planning a mission to attack this thing. I'm asking you for your help. Say yes, Brian. I need you to be brave. If the moon really is what you think it is, suit up. You can rent Moonfall on iTunes, Vudu, or Amazon Prime for $5.99, or you can check out Hoopla, which is a digital media service offered by your local public library that allows you to borrow movies, music, audiobooks, ebooks, comics, and TV shows for you to enjoy on your computer, tablet, or phone, or even your TV for free. Now, we have a visit from our movie bitches. Uh, they have uh, been a little bit absent from the last couple of episodes, but they've been doing amazing RuPaul recaps. But here is their two-minute review of House of Gucci. And get ready, people, because the show is going to keep on going. But first, movie bitches, take it away. Today we're reviewing the House of Gucci. I will say... Spoiler alert? 
Uh, don't watch this movie. No, okay, because it was bad. Except there's probably like a compilation of just. Oh, I think you could definitely distill it into like Lady five Gaga's minutes of mostly scenes. Lady Gaga. Honestly, Jared Leto's scenes were the most entertaining. Laughable. The lack of vision, care, tone, yep. yep, story, plot. The whole thing looked ugh, gray. Is it foggy in here? I can't see. Everything was down, toned down. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was like, man, I'd want to see that outfit in a Brian De Palma movie. <laughs> well, I did figure out how to fix this movie. Okay, great. We've gone back in time. Mm-hmm. Ridley Scott is not involved. Great. Tom Ford oh. directs this movie. Of course. Yes. Fixed it. We have to talk about the accents and the language because there were certain times that they would say Italian phrases. It was like, you know, ciao. It was the Italian that your average American knows. Ciao, Paolo. You sounded urgent. I came right away. Everyone was from different regions of fake Italy. I think the worst offender, I love him, but Jeremy Irons was just Welsh via (laughs) Milan-ish. I think she's after your money, like they all are. The Reggianis are truck drivers. Okay, this was something that Jared Leto said. Why? Why? You lying sack of potatoes? Why? Don't even look at me, you lying sack of potatoes. That was definitely when I laughed the hardest. Honestly, at the end, I was like, who is I rooting for? I don't know. I don't know. I guess the main character was the house of Gucci? That's boring. I know. Did not like this movie. No plans to rewatch. Did not enjoy. Way too long. Convoluted. Laughed. Was camp. (laughs) Cheers. All right, thank you, Avril. Now that we've spent a lot of time hearing from you, and a lot of time hearing from locksmiths, and a lot of time talking about Grand Piano, we are going to get into what we are into and talk about Better Call Saul after this past Monday's mid-season finale. We are ready for a mega, mega core chat. Hit the theme. Jason, it has been a while since we've had a chance to talk about what we are watching, what we are doing. There's so many things. We're in the middle of a new COVID surge. Oh, my goodness. Just when you thought it was safe to go back out. Everyone seems to have it again. (laughs) And some people having it twice Twice, in the same month. It is pretty crazy. That seems um, to be, I guess my understanding now is that seems to be related to um, Paxlovid and some of the other right. um, antivirals that they're causing a bounce back. Right, because I heard uh, from a friend that they took uh, that Paxlovid uh, and they were great. And then on day six, they got hit again. Yeah, so that they're what they're saying is like Paxlovid works and does what it's supposed to do. But once you finish the, you know, the the number of pills or whatever, you can have, it can come back. Like the, 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 the virus can Oof. keep replicating again in your body and come back for a second time. Anyway. Meanwhile, so, yep. my wife, June Diane Raphael, who had uh, a little bit of that COVID, running around town on her 90-day high, like getting it done, Miami, Las She's Vegas. gone out of town, I was just going to say. Oh, multiple times. Vacations, weddings, not given a shit. And she keeps on going, what's the big deal? And I go, well, you ha- you can't 
get it. Like you're in this night. You're you are fine. It's like Superman going like, what's the big deal? Uh, you know, what's the big deal? <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, you can't like, you know. So anyway, she is uh, living her best life. And meanwhile, every day uh, we get a note from our school that just tells us hey, there's been another another COVID exposure. Oh, so geez. we just basically like live in getting those every single day, every day. Wow. From school. Yeah. Intense. Intense, but. But uh, maybe it, good for this segment because we're back at home. We're watching. Some we're stuff. watching stuff. We're hanging we're out. out. We're reading we're stuff. We're listening to stuff. Well, let me ask you a couple questions because I think the last time we spoke, I wanted to see if you got a chance to go to the drive-in and see some of these big movies. Did you get to see? No. Any of the, no. Okay. I haven't. Well, no. Let me. That's not necessarily true. I I I haven't seen the only big movie I haven't seen right now is Doctor Strange. Okay. Um, but I saw the Batman. Um, uh, which I think we talked about the last time. Yes. Um, and what was there something else? No, Top that may Gun have been hasn't it. come out yet. Top Gun. Um, I think you may have to wait for the IMAX presentation. I, I, I'm gonna have to. I mean, I've like, talked about this um, with Hubel. I'm desperate to see it on IMAX. I just I rewatched s- it. I, I just oh, rewatched too. Top Gun. Me too. I've now watched Top Gun four times during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> it's wow. Uh, <laughs> There's so many things about that movie that, again, it's a very interesting, like, that Bruckheimer Simpson movie where nothing should work, but I also feel like the stars are so, like, they're so good that you're just like, fuck it, I'm in. It's Simpson and Bruckheimer. It's also a Tony Scott movie. Yes. And it the the entire movie, so I, I watched it to do an episode of Scott Ackerman's podcast, Scott Hasn't Seen. Yes. Because Scott Ackerman has never seen Top Gun, which was his, fascinating. His, like like openings of like his cultural literacy is surprising yes. and like what he has not seen. By the way, I just watched it because we did an episode on Top Gun for Unspooled with oh, a nice. Tom Cruise expert, Amy Nicholson, who I literally wrote a book on Tom Cruise. So we had oh, a lot I of good, that. Oh, that's yeah, cool. some, yeah, some good info. Oh, that's great. It, it was really, it was so interesting to watch it and talk to somebody about a movie that I feel like I, I can't have like a really, like I, my opinions are so inextricably linked to the nostalgia for yes. when the movie came out and what it is, because so much of the movie is vibes, you know, like the movie oh, yeah. is so loosely plotted and so kind of just about like set piece vibes with needle drop songs and this kind of orange hue and the Tony Scott shooting from everywhere. It's it's an it's an amazing movie, um, and it has it feels it does you compare it to other movies of the, its day. It doesn't feel dated to me at no. all. Well, it's interesting because I went back to watch it for the podcast, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm wondering if this is going to feel like the the visuals will even feel stale, and yeah. they don't because they don't at all. What they were doing with capturing those uh, those you know fighter jets, and I I think I just really. <laughs> I'm really into fighter jets right now, which is truly what happened when that movie came out. Like they literally were recruiting people to join the oh, yeah. Air Force. But when you watch it, you you understand it. And that's what I saw when I saw the IMAX uh, like 15 minute presentation of Maverick before oh, uh, Doctor cool. Strange. Oh, I didn't know you saw that. Oh, cool. Oh, they do like a, a 15 minute or, you know, a long, yeah. not even a trailer, like a, a sequence. And it was just thrilling and i was like oh my gosh i like it, it that's and that movie when i went back and watched top gun 
the original Top Gun, which I guess should be called Top Gun Viper, because I think oh, that interesting. because I think Top Gun Maverick, I think Maverick is Viper is Viper now. Yeah. OK. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd love to see a Tom Skerritt appearance. I don't know if we're going to get oh, it. I, I mean, like, I want them all. Give me give oh. me Jester. Give me Viper. Give me Hollywood. I want everybody. Way, do you, did you think that Rick Rossovich, who is, uh, you know, uh, Iceman's rear. Yeah, he's ho- Hollywood, right? Hollywood, yeah. Is, wait, no, like no, a, no, he's not Hollywood. No, he's not Hollywood. It's, um, he's a uh, um, slider. Slider. Thank you. Because okay. that's what it is. Tom, Tom Cruise leans into him and goes, slider, you stink. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a weak burn, but it's like. It's just, it's all posturing. There's no jokes that are actual jokes. The movie is no. barely has a sense of humor at all. Um, and it's, it's fucking, it's a blast. It's um, so fun. But I was going to say that Rick Rossovich is giving a great performance. Very Matthew Modine. Him yes. and Anthony Edwards, who I think. Incredible. Like, acts like Chandler in the movie. Like, he's oh, got like funny. a real fun, loose vibe. Like, those guys, I mean, it's impossible. Not everyone could pop from that movie, but well, I thought that those guys were great. Here's what I'll say, and, and and to your point exactly, like when so so that movie has like, and especially if you watch the Val Kilmer documentary, yes, there's so much footage from Top Gun. He talks so much about Top Gun and the making of Top Gun and all that stuff, and that really gives you a lot of insight. But what's really what really is different? How I would compare Top Gun to a movie from now, for example, is like. Inside of Top Gun, you have uh, the ensemble has Anthony Edwards and Rick Rossovich being funny, being like loose characters who are funny in the greater, like kind of more austere uh, 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 setting, and 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 the ensemble of serious fighter jet pilots, right? In a in in ensemble movies that are done now, the action movies specifically. Everybody is the stoic hero. Yes, like Triple you're right. Frontier, uh, Old Guard, um, all of these movies, many of which I really enjoy, um, but they they don't populate it with a broad ensemble of different archetypes. Everybody is handsome and stoic. Everyone yes. is a badass. Everyone it's, is humorless. You know, it's that weird thing that like when people talk about like sitcoms, like Friends brought in this new age of a sitcom where like sitcom used to have like that taxi vibe like oh they're weird people they Correct. don't look exactly like they're not beautiful people then friends everyone's a beautiful person and they're funny but then you get this weird thing where in this movie uh what we found out was a lot of it was improvised so all these personalities are kind of popping out so it allows tom cruise to kind of drive forward with what he wants to do but everybody else is just making those scenes 10 times richer, richer. Yeah. and it's it makes a big difference it makes it like the thing that i remember about that movie and why I think it sticks out to me so much, besides all the amazing action, is uh, and the the volleyball game and the and the incredible oh, soundtrack the, and the incredible. Did you uh, own lovings. the soundtrack? Oh yeah, Jason. Everyone of in the course. world owned that. You had to still listen to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, to me, I think Goose dying. Yeah. I'd never seen that in. A movie before, like wait, yeah. you could kill a main character. Like, it's like you know. the Red Wedding. It's like Ned Stark's yeah. death in Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. like it was, sh- and it was also because he was so much the heart of the movie. Yeah, because Goose was like truly emotionally available to us, and we meet his wife and his son, and we understand yeah. him to be this loving, open, giving, generous person. It was devastating, you know. 
It, it really is. And uh, do you have a theory on, uh, I asked this to Amy, but I'll ask it to you. If your rear dies, you know, you're a fighter pilot, do you keep his dog tags or do you give them to his wife? I thought it was weird that he kept the dog tags. And then oh, that's threw them into the ocean. And I do believe there should be a scene in this new Maverick where uh, where Miles Teller, who plays his son, is like, hey, um, do you have my dad's dog tags? <laughs> I think the uh, I think that's here's or, or here's the movie. The movie is, and it can't be. Sorry, R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Yeah, Bill Paxton is out there looking for the dog tags, <laughs> and it's a it's like Titanic. Titanic crossover. He's like, I got oh, it. I, or gosh. they go to find the dog tags, but they find the jewel from Titanic. Oh, now you see that would be a great way to tie all the universes together. Um, all right, so obviously Top Gun. We're both getting ready. We're prepping yes. for uh for that but uh what else uh i, I have a bunch of stuff i've got a I know, bunch yeah all right i've got a bunch of stuff too in the top gun vein Ooh, all right let's like run run with it what do you so got i'll i'll take uh, using top gun tony scott as a as a launching pad okay um i will say in in like v- again vibes right vibes. so like i, like I also recently watched as a result bad boys um, oh i just rewatched that as well and then i was like oh wait and then boom up popped ambulance the new michael bay movie by the way okay you don't know this yet. I don't. But somebody that really loves the show and it uh, is a, of a person of note. Oh, okay. Actually said, I would like to do that on How Did This Get Made? Holy shit. And um, it's incredible. And it's I maybe so the best excited. movie of the year. Um, you know what? I'm going to tell you who it is right now and you can bleep it. Okay. Okay. It is. <laughs> Amazing. So, uh, yeah. So she we is. Must. Yes, we must. She is, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. She called it. The and, movie is front to back, top to bottom, cuckoo crazy. By the way, it's, I'm all it's for not it. so magazzo. It's you. We gotta. We gotta do it. But also, I don't want to minimize it. It's fucking a blast. It's, but you see. This is what you're talking about, like, and uh, this idea, like the Tony Scott model of these popcorn movies that are just fun. Like, they don't have to totally make sense. They can be nuts and magutso, but you leave going like that was a fulfilling. Oh yeah, that was fun. That was Jake fulfilling. Gyllenhaal. It make uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is really turning into one of my favorite actors. Uh, me you know, um, too. Me because too. he can do. You know, the night crawlers mm-hmm. and he can do these kind of really incredible prisoners, incredible performances. He's just really an electric performer. But then swing all the way to doing like Mysterio in Spider-Man. Yes. And then he is so nuts in this movie. He's having he's chomping the scenery in a way that is like truly preposterous uh, in this movie. And it's a blast. The movie See? is so fun. I am I'm all on board with this in a major major way. What was that? Did I tell you about that <laughs> that movie that I loved? It's not I don't think it's going to be as crazy as what you just described, but I also fell in love with Braven, which oh, was yeah. the Jason, Jason Momoa. Momoa. Yeah, oh, yeah, where it's just like again and, like uh, another Yeah, and Stephen Lang is it? Yeah. Yes. It's like <laughs> 
Oh, like, yeah. They go to close like their winter or their summer house during the winter. And like totally. drug dealers have camped out there and there's axe throwing. And it's, it's like, incredible. Yeah. Braven is awesome. Braven, Braven, I would put as a Braven is in a little bit of a different category. And I would right. put Braven in the category of one of the other movies that I watched recently that I also really enjoyed, which is um, Wrath of Man. Oh, which the, is the Jason Statham. Statham. Yes, um, I've been seeing that pop up. Um, okay. What's his name movie? Um, and I'm forgetting the guy's name. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Guy. It's the new Guy Ritchie movie. Um, the, with oh, Jason. wow. Guy Ritchie did that. I'm almost. Wait a minute. Am I wrong? Yeah, you are right. You are totally okay. right. I okay, didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I, I thought this is more of a uh, transporter movie. So I kind of held it back a little bit. No, it is a it's it's a it's a heist movie. It feels like a den of thieves. Uh, it's a heist movie, uh, um, but f- told from. From the opposite point of view, Jason Jason Statham is a armored truck driver, and there oh, there is yes. a gang of badasses who are robbing trucks. And it's Ooh, and I, I won't this. I won't reveal okay. any more of what the, there's will... a bunch of misdirects, and it's really fun. And but Post in the same Malone way that, is in it. And yeah, yeah, and Post Malone, and yes, and Post Malone is in it, and is good. Like is uh, by really the way, good. I bet he is. Um, Ambulance uh, and Wrath of Man are both about like very impossible, elaborate heists. All right, well, I'm gonna circle it back and go. If we're talking about vibe and '80s movies and what we could get away with, yeah. What I saw and was completely uh, charmed by was that Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum movie, like Lost oh, City. Lost City, yeah, yeah, totally. Super Dan Radcliffe. Fun. Dan Incredible. Great. I was going to write him an email because he is so fun Incredible. in that movie. That movie is, again, like great casting throughout. It's basically Romancing the Stone. Yep. It's a it's a straight riff on Romancing the Stone, uh, which which I really enjoyed. They're, they have great chemistry, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. And um, Daniel Radcliffe is like the villain. The ba- he's yeah. like the the, the, Danny DeVito. Ty- the the billionaire villain who's like who's trapping them on this quest, basically. And it's like, but you know, this kind of, I mean, I complain about it all the time, but I like this like light, fun, let's have a good time oh, yeah. like, kind of movies that I feel like we just don't get to see. Everything has to have like a little bit more weight to it. And I think that like just a fun, like fun action Yes. is truly like an underrated thing. I feel like we And it's I think what we love so much in yes. the Fast and Furious movies or stuff like that, but those are so heightened versus like some of these are, you know, like and not to say that ambulance or or something like that isn't heightened, it's heightened but in a very different way. Um yeah. but Lost City, I was like there's great comedy in it. There's like good there's there's good jokes. Um there's good like adventure. It's a it's a big movie. It like looks good. Yeah. Um I thought it was great. I re- and and like I said, my favorite part I think was Daniel Radcliffe as that villain. I, I thought he was totally fantastic. Agree. Um, yeah. really great. Oh, in that kind of really fun action escapism, have you watched any of Star Trek Strange New Worlds? Yes, I was that was on my list. By the way, another great, I mean, I know I don't want to so sound like good. old men here, but it's like there is something fun about like, yeah, back to basics. Give me an episode a week. Pop it in. Rebecca Romaine's great. That cast is great. It's fun. It's a blast. It's yes. so smart. It's so, uh, it's ca- it's like case of the week or, you know, yes. whatever, monster of the week, whatever it is. Um, so each episode stands alone while telling a slightly larger story. Sure. But for somebody like me. Who, frankly, my the most most of my exposure to Star Trek is and Star Trek lore and canon is um, uh, watching Lower Decks. 
yeah. and participating and watching the animated one that I'm on, which is called Prodigy. Right. I was never a new uh, 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 Picard kind of next right. generation or even the original shows. Like I've seen a handful of them, but I was never a Star Trek kind of person. So right. the fact that I can watch this show and have complete understanding and enjoyment without needing to know a bunch of kind of canonical information is huge. It's it, The show is incredibly fun. Yes. And I think that I love Anson Mount. I like to see Anson Mount as like this, this, uh, as Pike. And yep. I think it's just, and, and, and well, I, think, uh, I think Mallory Rubin on, uh, her podcast called him handsome Mount. Oh yeah. Handsome Mount. He's a stone cold he's a, yeah. I know he is a, he's a real cutie, but no, he, <laughs> yeah. but here's the thing. I think, I think that like, we are so or at least I feel like this sometimes too. It's like, I'm so immersed in these things that you have to watch so many like episodes of to get to the meat of this bigger thing. And it's fun to just have something like the, like I understand why the top 10 shows that are on TV, yes. eight of them are procedurals. Like, well, it's because like they're because, escapist in that way. You don't have to be like, you know what? It gets good around episode four. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you, I, I know, you, know talk, you are like I, yes. straight in and it's great. Yes, and this is what I was talking about. I uh, I also have been really into uh, the Good Fight, which is a spinoff of the Good Wife. Oh, yeah, sure. And the Good Fight does that as well. Like, there's a larger story okay, that's cool. playing out throughout the whole season. If you watch it all, you can. But they have just great, fun episodes where they tackle. Like, let me stuff. yeah go ahead yeah that, did that you, you are watch surprised by the Good Wife? I did not. Oh, okay. So because yeah. this has been a long this has been a long standing thing for me because. Um, I like the Kings, the people that created that yes. show and, and have wanted to watch the good fight. I love Christine Baranski. Um, and, but I was always like, oh, the, the barrier to entry seemed like I needed to watch like no, 120 episodes of the good wife, which nope. I'm willing to do because everybody says it's a great show. I just think it's a huge undertaking, you, you know? know? It, no, you don't. Uh, I did not watch. Uh, okay. I, I think I've seen a few episodes of the good wife. So, but, but you don't think you're missing anything. No, there are about, and I looked at it last night, especially in the first season of The Good Fight, there are three characters that populate, that come in, okay. that you're like, oh, they cle like, they're introduced to like, ba-ba-ba-ba, here okay. is Dylan Baker, Here's you know somebody Dylan you remember, Baker, yeah. but then they, through, you know, exposition, they explain who they are, and you get, okay. oh, okay, there must have been a larger story around that character, um, but the truth of it is, it's a completely different narrative with... I think characters that you saw bits and bobs of in The Good Wife, like Kristen yep. Bransky was like involved. There are some other characters like this, uh, like that popped in and out, but is it completely, it stands on its own two feet. And what's actually really great about it is after like the first season, it gets so much further away from that. Oh, and okay, it just good. keeps on, it just keeps on extending out right. and it's like, Oh, this is a completely, okay. I'll yeah. Do that. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. It's a, it's a fun show. And it's, it's uh, a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's on my list of things. Those two shows, good wife and good fight have been on, like had been on there for a while because they've just been recommended so many times. Yes. I really want to um, watch a good wife after. But that's I, interesting like, yeah. to know. And, and cause I know we were, this, this highlights, you know, we talk about like, 
blind spots, you know, like Scott having blind spots and making that thing. And this is one of my blind spots that I've been like, oh, maybe I can do that. One of the things we were meant to talk about today or you wanted to talk about today. And then I revealed is an actual blind spot of mine is I've never seen any of Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Zero. I watched watched episode one of Breaking Bad, the pilot when it came out. My mouth dropped. Now, hold on, because I want to bring in Cody and Devin here because we are going to do a Better Call Saul talkback and we're going to at the end of this we will let you go yeah, so you great. don't spoil anything but i will say this uh first of all uh cody uh, devin your reaction to jason not having seen this i i was shocked <laughs> like i literally was like wait it what? is yeah i you know honestly uh i had never i'm a huge better call Saul fan i've watched it since episode one i had not seen any of breaking bad until this year until March oh, of this year, I came into this universe as a Better Call Saul fan and was kind of in my mind saving it till the end. I was like, well, whenever Better Call Saul finishes, because it's a prequel oh. series, I'll yeah, watch yeah, yeah. I'll watch Breaking Bad because chronologically that's what comes next. So I hadn't watched it at all until this year. So you know what? Um, I, I'm not super shocked. I'm excited for you. Well, I was going to say, as someone who's watched Top Gun four times in the last two and a half years, I'm like, there should have been enough time to. Oh, I mean, and the number of West Wing and Gilmore Girls episodes I've rewatched during the (laughs) pandemic is easily equal to all of Breaking Bad and all of Better Call Saul. What do you think is like, because for me, I'll tell you, like when I didn't watch The Sopranos, I felt like. I'm rejecting popular culture. It's like everyone's yes. talking about it. Fuck it. I'm not watching it. Like, I don't care. I get that. Yeah. And uh, did you have that energy toward it or is like, I just haven't gotten to it? I, it? You know what? I Maybe it started that way. And but then I watched the first episode of mm-hmm. um because uh, uh, I got season one of uh, uh Breaking Bad on DVD. Got it. When it came out, I watched maybe the first one or maybe even the first two. Right. Maybe is it a two-parter? I can't remember. Anyway. Probably. And I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. I'm going to watch this. And then I just didn't. And wow. then it started to build up and I started to be like, I got to I gotta go back and watch those DVDs of that first season so I can get, and now everybody's talking about it. Yeah. And then it just kind of, I just didn't do it. And it's now become easily the most kind of embarrassed, not embarrassing, I'm not embarrassed, but like the most egregious uh, a blind spot on my kind of pop culture watch list, especially because it's so beloved. Cody, are you surprised? I'm not, only because it took me a while to get into Breaking Bad. I didn't like, I couldn't get past like the first two, three episodes mm-hmm. when the first season was out. Then I went back and tried to watch it, and then finally I went through, and it wasn't until end of season two that I was like, okay, I'm in this. I know what this is now. These mm-hmm. Like, I hated Walter White. I'm like, I don't even know how I can get behind this character at first. Um, so I get it, but also, like, I think through Pandemic, Jason, going back of, like, you know, you going back and rewatching what's yeah. comforting to you, I do that with The X-Files. So it's like, oh, I haven't watched. Yeah. I'm a surprise. I don't know anything about Sopranos. Oh, either. interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, to me now, I'm like, oh, it just feels like too much. And then like when I just want to turn something on into now, I go back to the things that I love and rewatch. Yeah, yes, and of I, course. I, so I'm not shocked. I feel like I'm on the same page with you, Jason, because sometimes it's like it feels like this mountain you've got to overcome. And, and right? I'm I'm certain 
I'm going to love them both. You know what I mean? It's right. not a matter of like, oh, it's not for me or anything like that. I'm I'm certain once I start, I'm going to love both series just because of the the kind of conversations I've heard on podcasts from friends about the shows. I know I'm well, going to like them. I just is, have to do it. Well, here's the thought, because, you know, we're going to, like I said, we'll, we'll have our little talk in a little bit. But for people out there that are like you, that have not seen it, I was talking uh to Devin and Cody and I was saying like what do we like what would you recommend now we are we are probably like six episodes away or a six episodes, of episodes away from and the this end is of the Better Call yes, Saul. final season right final, this is final, final season, season of Better right? Call yeah. Saul yep and now we have we have Breaking Bad we have a, a movie El Camino uh El Camino and then we have this series which is a for all intents and purposes a prequel series that also is like also a postscript uh yes on, uh, with elements so with elements where yeah, so I guess well, like people have a an order in which they want to watch Star Wars now that all the 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 work is out there. How would you both recommend? Because I, I don't know what I feel. Um, I, I will say I think I think, and, and this goes to what Jason was saying before about you know looking at Breaking Bad and feeling almost like that insurmountable thing of oh, when you get to the end of season two, you're like, well, that's 16 hours from now. I have to do all yeah. that before I get to it. Yeah. The thing about Better Call Saul is it does not do that. Better Call Saul begins as it means to continue. They they have worked out what their pace is. They have worked out what their concerns are. They've worked out how they're focusing on the characters in Better Call Saul. And I would say it's such an immediate way in. There, there's no way yeah. by the end of episode one or two of that show you aren't 100% on board with all of, with not just Odenkirk's performance, but all the side characters as well who are so richly drawn. Um, That's great. So for me, I had avoided, I was, like I said, going to watch all of Better Call Saul all the way till the end and then do Breaking Bad. However, because of what Paul mentions, and we won't get too specific, there is a postscripty element to Better Call Saul. And I began to get concerned that wrapping up the postscript would necessitate some level of spoiling the end of Breaking Bad, which I had made it to this, the year 2022 with literally no spoilers for Breaking Bad. It was amazing. I don't know how that happened uh, for a show that this this popular and this written about and this talked about. Um, I still think at this point, with six episodes remaining, you can watch Better Call Saul first at this point. And there are certain uh, elements of suspense with regard to the fates of certain people, again, not being specific, that I think you gain bonus suspense by watching Better Call Saul first. That is, oh, that's interesting. That is okay. my personal opinion. And, Got and, it. And I think because Better or Breaking Bad, rather, is based around such a chaotic character. It's so much more of an action show in its way, whereas Better Call Saul is much more of a word show and a character show. I think Breaking Bad actually makes sense as like a really crazy like the next thing that happens after Better Call Saul. It, Better oh, Call Saul oh, almost it, it almost eases okay. you into the universe better, I think, than Breaking Bad. But they're both fantastic. You know? Cody, what do you think? Do you agree, disagree? I both agree and disagree. It's interesting. I think, Jason, just to tell you, I think Better Call Saul is a master class in character study. Okay. Yes. Like, it's Vince Gilligan, I think, at his best when he does and that. And Peter Gould. Oh, yes, I don't remember. But I listen, I'm just no, a, totally. Both I'm a Gilligan because of X-Files. Geniuses. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think Better Calls, this is controversial and I don't care. I think Better Call Saul is a better show than Breaking Bad holistically. But I, I feel agree. like if you okay. started with Better Call Saul and then you got into those first two seasons of Breaking Bad, <laughs> I don't know how you get, but 
The other side of it, Jason, is like to know the character of Saul and then to go back and then explore that is so rich and interesting. Where like I, I do think you would have to start Breaking Bad first and then Saul. Well, but I, okay. I mostly want he, you, Jason, to watch Saul because I think you would lose. I think you'll think you love, love it. it. Here, oh yeah, and here's great, my great. and here's my final. Uh, not that we're trying to convince you to watch it, but trying to talk about what the benefits might be. I, I will say this: uh, one of the big pushback things that Better Call Saul got when it first came on the air was it's too slow. It's not like Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is a thriller and it gets and it builds in that direction. What I like about Better Call Saul is it's it sets the landscape of this area of Albuquerque, New Mexico. So like as Walter White enters into that world, you will be fully versed in that world. Totally. Which is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of fun because it's sort of like you'll be watching him be a fish out of water, but you right. as the audience will be know fully what the, exactly. everything. Yeah, exactly. And and I would also say that I feel like the momentum for me of having watched all of Better Call Saul and been such a detailed super fan of it, because it is a show that you can watch and take notes on because it's so well worked out. It's so meticulously yeah. plotted. For me, the momentum of the excitement that I already have for Better Call Saul got me over those first seven, eight episodes of Breaking Bad, where it really is kind of finding its feet. I think that's fair to say. Well, and and the one thing about Breaking Bad is uh, that's interesting and it makes uh, changes the entire show is um, the writer strike shut it down. Right. And they make a very they make oh. a very pivotal change. Yes. Uh, that that you wouldn't even notice. But um, but that change changes the entire oh, trajectory cool. of the show. But you can okay. tell that there's a moment where that was not going to be what the show was and then it becomes fully interesting. That. So okay. there's there cool. some, some things. So that's that's our that's our stumping for that. But we I like will, that. I'm gonna we'll I'm go gonna back. watch it. I've been I I will say I've been watching I like I that you know what? Okay. I'm gonna say now that because I'm currently watching Justified. Okay. Um, oh. To get ready for Which, see that's a that's exactly. a blind spot for me, yes. Which exactly I'd I'd only ever watched season one of Justified, and then I fell off. So okay. now I'm going through it again, and I'm going to do the whole thing. Um, and when I'm done with Justified, I'm going to do Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, that's my Amazing. promise. So, And then I yes. will come, and we can talk about it. Um, but yeah, so and that's probably not too far from now. I'm, 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 I'm in Justified, and I'm crushing like four Justifieds a night. It's <laughs> oh, wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, Jason, we're going to have to talk about this in two weeks. Oh, yeah. We're going to crush I'm all very, this. I'm very excited. Yeah, you will, you will fly through it. Uh, also, just a uh, one of the, a, a great performance by Michael McKeon that you get a chance to check out on Better Call Saul, which I think is. Ooh, nice. Holy oh, great. shit. It's just incredible. Oh, that's awesome. He, oh, it's. Man. Good, Jason, I'm like so excited. Oh, the the phrase is, it's there. good shit, Jason. It's good I mean, shit. I, love, I just love how excited you guys are. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just, just, just your faces right now tell me everything I need to know well, about and, this and show. And I think, I think there's something about like you getting to watch it in a different way that actually is very exciting yeah, to me sure. too. You know, it's just kind of a fun way. All right, so we'll get back to that in a second. Music-wise, Jason, have you been listening to anything uh, have you been putting anything? Yeah, I mean, like, there's been a lot of there's a lot of good music. Um, I I mean, I've been obsessed as most people have with the new Kendrick record. I think is just Kendrick absolutely is incredible. So good, it's um, so good. Really, just absolutely stunning. Um, uh, this uh, singer songwriter named Faye Webster put out a new record that is mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful that I really love. Um, 
like a, a, a Yugoslavian guitar player who this is a whose name is I think Bronco Mataja. Okay. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that all wrong. He's like you know from born in Yugoslavia in the 30s is forced into like a labor camp, moves to Los Angeles, uh, becomes like a guitar repair man, like releases and puts out like a record of like folk songs that is so beautiful that just got really re released called Over Fields and Mountains, and I've been listening to that kind of constantly. Um, which is really beautiful. By the way, um, I, I don't know if you like Pusha T, but Pusha T has an oh, album yeah. that, uh, since we haven't talked about uh, music in a bit, like, oh, uh, for sure. yeah, that album is great. I'm a big fan uh, since like the days from Clips, and uh, oh, yeah. and this is like, I like this new album. It, it did really good, apparently, too. So that's oh yeah. yeah, I mean that's I agree. That's a that is a great record. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Well, I mean, we talked a little to? bit about it, and you'll see it in the next episode. But Harry Styles' album, I have never oh, listened is... to a Harry Styles album, and I was like, this is actually really good. Oh, it's great. I think I think he's I think he's like the best pop, you know, the best person working in pop right now. Like when he did Howard Stern and did the cover of Sledgehammer, yeah. whenever that was a year or two ago, I was like, oh, this guy is this guy can do anything. He's really and the new record I've been listening to it a lot is fantastic. Really, really good. I mean, um, yeah. I'm trying to think. One of my favorite artists is an artist called Greenhouse. Um, and they have a new record with another artist called Endel, and that is really beautiful. The uh, the band Gabriel's uh, put out new music. Mm. The uh, one of my like some seriously incredible stuff. Porridge Radio has new music. Uh, a, an incredible British band that I like. Um, and uh, and a guy who calls who goes by the name Monster Rally um, has been putting out mu new music that is like very collagey, beautiful Ooh. kind of like collagey kind of music. Really great. Well, I'm going to tell you that, uh, you know, we talked about a song on the uh, friend zone, the show that me and he will do on Thursdays on Twitch and you can watch it on YouTube. We talked about the guy who sings poop songs and, oh, yeah. um, and he wants to come on the show when you get, <laughs> when you, when you sure. have a moment, uh, we will, Funny. we will have you both on the show because here's an interesting thing. And I don't know if you've spoken about this, so I won't say the actual name, but his wife is from your town. My my hometown? Yes, that little small... Oh, in Massachusetts? Yes. Oh, funny, Nahant, Massachusetts yeah. yes. resident. So Wild. it was a very interesting thing. Oh, that's somebody, funny. Somebody saw us talking to huh. him and said, oh, you got to tell Jason his wife is that's from That's weird. There. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, it's just such a, it's well, so you, I never meet that's, ever people That's from, what I that's thought. Incredible. I was like, now you have to kind How of weird. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's exciting. Oh, I that's great. I also want to recommend, um, you know, our friend, uh, Michael Ian Black, a uh, great sure. comedian, actor, been in a million things. He has this book for kids that I never really, uh, I didn't know about. He has a bunch of kid books, actually. And, uh, but he has these books called, like, I'm Sorry, I'm Worried, and I'm oh, Sad. And they're all, like, these little uh, potato books. Uh, they're about a little potato. And I got to say, uh, not, you know, we're in a different mode right now, but I just will say that, um, especially after the, the tragedy of this week in a school... Uh, I think that kids are going to need to have some of their emotions tended to. I know that uh, my son just got home from school today from the first day back after that. And it's like there are questions and emotions that are are kind of flooding in. These books are actually really great to deal with these things about being sad and worried. These and emotions. Yeah. yeah. And this is and, you know, sometimes it's easier to kind of come at it through a book and, and have those conversations as well. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. And this is different uh, in that it's not related to to those things but another friend of ours who's written a book is uh, our friend John Flynn uh, oh, yes. who wrote a book called Baked I think uh, that yes. is all about his time in New York where he made a living selling pot cookies 
to every to like all of the comedy community, yes. the act, Broadway actors, hedge fund people. All it was like it, it, it introduced him to all these different people, and it's tons of incredibly funny stories from that from that early uh, 2000s era of New York, which is really fun. And uh, and yeah, it's I got to read that book. I love John Flynn. He's a great storyteller. He's the best. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna buy it right now. Adding it yeah. to cart. Uh, I'm gonna. I want to shout out a couple of other things just because I think they're like we've been talking about a lot of really fun stuff. But like there've been there are really funny shows out right now yes. that I think are in 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 the world in which we have just so many um, places that things exist, I feel like people can lose things. Yes, go So for on it. Peacock, um, Dan Gore and Luke Del Tredici, who are part of the Brooklyn Nine-Nine team, have a new show called Killing It that oh, is yeah. Craig Robinson and Claudia O'Doherty's show, and it is so fucking funny. It's so relentlessly funny that I it I burned through the whole season. Uh, it's absolutely worth watching. It's fantastic. Claudia is so fucking funny on this show. Craig oh, obviously is hilarious. Yeah. But Claudia in particular just has such a great storyline and she's so funny. And, and everybody, there's a lot of great supporting characters. The show is fantastic. Um, it's called Killing It and it's on uh, Peacock. Also on Peacock is Meredith Scardino's show Girls 5 Eva. So fun. Which is one of my least favorite titles of a show, um, but one which is but it for one of the absolute most joke dense shows on television. Yeah, so people that don't know, I mean, just think about it as like uh, a Thirty Rock Kimmy Schmidt successor. Like it's yes, like it's, it's a Tina Fey Robert yes. Carlock produced uh, half hour about a girl group from you know who are now in their forties. You know, like a, a girl group who were popular back in the day and are now trying to have a resurgence. And it's uh, it's incredibly funny, um, and uh, and I love Meredith, and I think that that cast, Paula Appel, and everybody in Holy busy shows, Andrew Randall's is on it, and such a funny performance from him too. It's yeah. like it, it's Paula really, Appel really... is like relentlessly funny. It's so good. Yeah, um, I loved our flag means death. The oh, yeah. the Taika Waititi show. Uh, we, I'm, I'm shocked we didn't talk about it, but uh, we didn't talk about any Star Wars, and we barely talked. We didn't really talk about any Marvel, but I loved Moon Knight. Um, um, I, I love I'll Moon Knight as well. There. I want to get into that with you. I, there's more Another to talk time. about. Uh, I will say, uh, you know, in that world, and we can get into this deeper maybe at the end. Uh, I kind of I love the first season of Barry, and I just did not watch the second season, not for any reason. Oh yeah, uh, more than I think I was trying to dole out things that I liked over the pandemic, and so that kind of got left on sure. the side. And I burned through season two, and then I burned through season three, and I'm really enjoying uh, where that show is going right now. I am behind on that, so okay. I've only watched seasons one and two. I've not started the new. The new okay. season is three, right? Yes, uh, two okay. is really, but I really enjoyed two. So that that that's really. Yeah. Oh, I, I really... loved two. That the episode, the what is it, the Taekwondo champion? Oh my god, that's uh, one that of the episode best. Tele- is incredible. Yeah, that episode is amazing. By the way, I want to just shout out a friend of the podcast again. Uh, John Daly has an album. Oh. It's called Ding Dong Delicious. Yeah, uh, you can get it at northernspyrecords.com. Um, and if you want to just get a taste of this, he has a song called Addicted to Computers. It's a video. Uh, Bill Benz directed the video. It's a very weird, it's it's a real album. It's a real, he has a record deal. He has a real album. He's oh, yeah. a very talented musician, but this song is great. The album is going to be amazing. It's not out yet, but definitely check out. Uh, can I th- yeah. promote something else that is John Daly related? John I, Daly I, I, also gonna, has a, 
also yes. has a podcast. I was going to say this. Is and what one I, yeah. element of the podcast is a recurring segment that is called Two Johns Don't Make a Right, in which he and our friend Tall John Schrader take a car trip with a friend. In one episode, it's Steve Agee. And mm-hmm. in one episode, it's our friend Kulap Vilaisok. I will be and on it soon. They, they drive around and they don't make right-hand turns. By the way, it's not an element anymore. That's the whole show. It is oh, just oh, okay because I know podcast. he has other it, no, things this, this inside of his podcast. This podcast is now feed. just this. Two Johns don't make a right. Okay, yes. good. So, it is yeah. so funny. The cool up episode is so funny. Within the first ten minutes, they get into a car accident. Amazing. It's it's like so worth it. It's really very very funny. I, um, this is good. This is a good list of stuff. We can come back and talk more about. I just, all I'm going to say yeah. I wanted to shout out one more thing. I said it on one of our, I think, main episodes. But like my favorite, my favorite show that I've, the, my favorite discovery of the last months has been a, a Japanese show called Kotaro Lives Alone. Oh yeah, which is an animated show about a ten year old boy who lives alone in an apartment complex and how that impacts all the adults who live around him Um, and it is absolutely beautiful and absolutely incredible and I cry in every episode and it is a must watch all right that is on my list I gotta put oh and also the on Hulu the teen uh, romantic comedy crush (laughs) oh I that's right up my alley 100% is a home run all right this is amazing a great quart chat and it's going to continue where you take a little bit of a break and then we're gonna pull in Devin and Cody this is great Jason Uh, we'll see you next time on a quart chat yeah all right now, as we go into the second part of our Quart Chat, I'm going to tell you, get ready, people. There are spoilers ahead, okay? This is a spoiler zone. If you are not caught up with Better Call Saul, turn it off now because we will wreck it. But if you are, get into it. And if you plan to be, also tune in later. Anyway, uh, here we go. As promised, we're going to have a little bit of a Better Call Saul talk back. We are in the the uh, mid-season finale, but not even really a mid-season finale. They weren't supposed to end right at this right. point, but this, this is a mid-season finale. So, uh, Cody, Devin, let's just start it off. I mean, they killed uh, Hamlin. Holy shit! <laughs> Howard's dead! Oh my I thought, yeah. had heart palpitations through that whole episode and I literally had on my hands on my head with my mouth open for a full two minutes through the credits I what I loved about that moment was they did I mean this show is so good about tension and building tension but they killed him so quickly and without any consequence that it is and and I also just thought that um, their reaction to the death, uh, you know, Odenkirk and, uh, oh, I'm forgetting her Ray name. Ray Seahorn. Uh, Ray Seahorn, uh, like, was so real. Like, they were, oh, like, they really, because they've never seen anyone get killed. And it was like, nope. there was an energy to that moment that was so real. And I think that's what we were talking about with Jason, like, that idea, like, this show is a very grounded show. So that's a, that's one of the most insane things that we've seen. Yes. Or these main characters have seen on this show. But it's been building, right? And that's like, I I know you talked about earlier about the slow pace of the show, but it's like, so these characters haven't really, aside from, I guess, Jimmy in a bit, like really faced consequences in a way. I mean, especially Kim's character. Like she hasn't really faced consequences. And like, 
My whole question through this whole series has always just been about her. Yeah. And like her self-destruction and like, I don't know. It's just so. Yeah. And (laughs) and that that little flashback that we get that only the second flashback we've ever had of Kim Wexler uh, as a as a kid, actually any flashback. We don't have any knowledge of her prior to episode one other than these two flashbacks. And that one. God, I mean, talk about writing. I mean, just how deftly. They suggested so many things in that three minutes about what her relationship to Jimmy means and what her relationship to scamming means and and crime and the law. Like it, it implied so much in three minutes about Kim Wexler there. I, I was I mean, that's one of the best pieces of that's one of their best cold opens, I think, ever. I, I think that what is really interesting about this season and obviously the season's like a weird season in the sense that. You know, it it wasn't yeah. meant to end in this moment, but um, when when the the plan they've been building this plan to take down uh, Hamlin, you don't know exactly what it is, and it was beautifully done, very like very much like a Soderbergh movie. It's like you get enough of the puzzle, so you feel like we're on part of like we're in part of it, but we also are being conned. Right, and then it, uh, and what I loved about it was, uh, you know, they Hamlin is like the Moriarty, right? Or, or, or the Sherlock Holmes, like he's smart enough. He figures out what happens immediately. Right like, away. But <laughs> yes. And, and, but we also get the fulfillment of like, oh my God, I didn't see that, that plan happening right there. But to me, his monologue to them, mm. to what your point is about her was like, that's the show. It, it's that's like, the look show at you. right there. It's like you two are doing this for fun. Yep. Like what what thrill are you getting from this? And that's what something we know from the very beginning when they have that first interaction with that guy at the bar. The first scam the, in the beginning then, yeah. of season two. Yeah, exactly. That's the first time that she ever scams with Jimmy. And that's the first time that they ever have sex. That's the first time that right. they ever consummate their relationship. And those two things, as we saw in this episode, too, are very uh, uh you know, muddled up together in their mind, the scamming and their desire for each other only really seems to kind of crackle when they're in the middle of a scam. And that is fascinating. Man, oh man. Like it really is, you know, to me, they're doing a great job of saying goodbye to certain characters. Like, yeah, like Howard Hamlin, even though he was killed very quickly, I think that we see his home life. Yeah. We see ha- how smart he is. We like, you know, you you respect him and he actually becomes a more three-dimensional character. And it's interesting because I think the monologue that he gives is the monologue that we feel as the audience. Like, fuck this guy. Like, well, wait, mm-hmm. why fuck this guy? And like he he admits he's done some things wrong, but like that character, like the way that character evolved was so good. And then I think that the way that they killed off Michael Mando, who played Nacho was such an emotional ending and again a br- a very violent end but a beautiful like celebration of like what he kind of learned and what's yeah. important to him and and the code and the and, and that's that with Nacho in particular it's like it, it's so fascinating how the writers landed him in that way with an ending that is tragic but he's in control of it Mm-hmm. Yes, he, which like, he's is a hero. He's he's kind of a hero oh, yeah. in that. Well, you know, but I mean, in terms yeah. of their world, like he's the no, one. I think with he a, is. Yeah, he's the one with some morals to him. He's the one who's trying to been trying to get out of it for seasons now, you know, and just comes to a point where there are no off ramps for him anymore. And the only thing he can do is is take control of how he leaves. And that is amazing. What an amazing thing to do with that character. What it's has also been your, like yeah. such a, a fuck you yes. to the Salamancas, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Of, like, you're not taking my life. You know, so it's that yeah. control. But yeah, that it, there was like a final fuck you. And then, you know, I'm just like, I hope Mike does take care of his dad. But like, I'm so invested in the world of each character. Yeah, they're totally. So full, they're so complete. Like, I think that we got to tie Mike and Saul together a little bit more. Definitely. I agree. They're, they're much tighter. In break, I, have, in I think we all have theories about that. Yes. So. Um, we should get into it. Yeah. Let's let's, yeah then I was going to say, like, yeah. So where do we think it's going to go? We have six episodes left and we know that Mike survives. We know that Saul survives. I'm guessing Lalo does not survive. That's my gut. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Gus Fring there's survives. There's the stray line in, right before... Um, Hector dies in Breaking Bad, where, uh, you know, Gus says to him, now you are the last of the Salamancas, which at the present moment in Better Call Saul, Gus knows that Lalo is alive or, you know, heavily suspects. Now he kind of does know because now he's made the phone call and it's been recorded. But so that that indicates for him to even say that to Hector means Lalo probably ends and probably at Gus's hands. My personal pet theory, which I've told uh, you, Paul, I before, love this theory. Yes, I, because we saw the whole setup with Gus down in the in what will be the super lab, him laying the gun and making some measurements, which they don't tell us necessarily what the measurements are. But it's pretty clear that he's planning for a final showdown with Lalo there. I suspect that Lalo Salamanca has been buried under the super lab the entirety of Breaking Bad. Okay. I like this theory. I mean, like I a Telltale really Heart just... thing. You know what yeah. I mean? I really think that he's been buried under that the whole time. Because here's the other thing: Jimmy believes Lalo to be alive and Nacho at the beginning of uh, possibly Nacho at the be- in his first appearance in Breaking Bad. Jimmy makes a point of saying when Walter and Jesse kidnap him at gunpoint. Is this is this Lalo? Did Lalo send you? So whatever happens to Lalo in the end of Breaking or of Better Call Saul, Saul uh, Saul never learns about it. Saul well, will never find out. He believes him to be alive. So it's and however Lalo is dispatched has to be done in such a way that Gus can have the semi cordial relationship with the cartel that he does when we first meet him in Breaking Bad. So it has to end in a way that is secret that Gus knows about that Jimmy doesn't. I also think that I don't have like a, a firm idea of what the twist is going to be, but yeah. I also believe that uh, that Saul is going to have to betray Lalo. Like yeah. they're going to work together because Lalo comes to Saul. Yeah. For what reason? I have no idea. Uh, Maybe the only to find thing he out- can, I was talking about this the other day and yeah. trying to figure it out. The only thing he can possibly want from them is info. He, he needs to know how, how much or how little they know about Gus. Um, right. And they don't know anything. He'll find that out quickly. But what Jimmy does know about is Mike. He knows a fair amount about Mike. And But does Lalo know that? I I don't know. I don't know. But why go does. to them? I mean, like, to me, I feel like Lalo wants, mm-hmm. like, there's a part of me that thinks Lalo, like, almost wants Jimmy to uncover Gus. Right. Like, legally. Interesting. To, like, expose him, like, and and use him as a lawyer. Right. But then he kills Howard in front of him. I don't know. Cody, what are you thinking like right yeah. now? Like, I mean, because here's the thing. There are, they are his lawyers, so there is, you know. True. But I, I don't know. Listen, I actually don't know the legalities around this. Where like, Because <laughs> they are. It's like the same thing with therapists where it's like if they think your life's in danger, they have to right. tell someone. Right? right. So, but like. Lawyer-client uh, privilege. Yeah, right. That is yeah. true. And then, so. God, I mean, this it's complicated because I do think he he knows they're afraid of them. He knows that 
Jimmy made it out of the desert with his money. He knows, like, right. he says, Jimmy is a cockroach. He's a survivor, right? That's right? So it's like he can put Jim. He at this point feels like he can put Jimmy up to anything. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Kim. But he also Hart- didn't remember. He didn't believe them really when he left at the end of the last season. After that, it, it, he believed right. Kim enough. So and, and he knows because remember he went and found Jimmy's car that clearly had been shot and w- had been pushed off a right. cliff and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. So, he knows something's up. He's like Lalo is a very savvy, smart. Character. Every character is so smart. That's what I love so much about the show. Every character yeah. is like kind of a genius, or at least like really paying attention and putting stuff together. No one's dumb on this show. I think that's so great. Well, it's so interesting how he gets that information. So I yeah. guess like wow. So like so the ending. I mean, the ending will be. I guess what I'm also thinking about is oh, right. what's the postscript ending? Like, yes. what's the end of what Breaking Bad? Yeah. Because there is definitely a gene. God, I have, the saddest, gene. I have the saddest theory for this. Okay, I love okay, it. Okay, go for it. I think that um, what really ties Mike and Jimmy and then the the carpet, the vacuum cleaner yes. store. Yeah. Sadly, we can't get to, which I is know, such we, a bummer. We can't do Robert Forster. Yeah. I know. Oh, but it's just the book, right? So you need the book from the vet. Mm-hmm. Is that right. I think they need to disappear Kim. Yes. So they got to get rid of her. But maybe she did. Like we talked about the seven. Maybe she ended up in Nebraska. But I do think the saddest to like end Jimmy's sad life assessing as he sees her and they they see each other and they can't. They can't talk. They can't yeah. talk. They can't see a word, and you leave that heartbroken. And like but, that breaks my heart. But I, know, I don't. <laughs> so now Here, here's here's something. Did you guys, when you watched this week's episode, did you watch it on AMC Plus or live on AMC? Because, I watched it on Apple. Like, yes, yeah, so okay. I didn't watch it either. Yeah, there was something extra in the version that aired on AMC live television. There, oh. there's a mid credits thing that happens, which is not on the AMC Plus version, and it's very Wait. interesting. Well, tell what? us. I w- no, I AMC will. Pl- I'm paying yeah. for AMC Plus. Uh, I pay for I AMC Plus. You need extra? <laughs> I just, the only reason I watched it live is because Talking Saul was on after it. And I just yes. thought, oh, I'll just watch it live and it'll roll right into that, which was interesting. And that was good to watch. But after, so, you know, Howard is dead. Camera zooms in on, on Lalo and he goes, you know, okay, so let's talk, right? Cut to black. Then fades up slowly. A black and white shot of the condo living room. No one in it. It's a sunny day. There's sort of some sound. It's kind of pleasant, nice sound. And then a lo- it holds on it for a long time, maybe like 20 seconds. And then you just hear Jimmy say, as if from the other room, and after all that, a happy ending. Okay, well, Whoa. Here, this is, okay, so this is what I was thinking. Mm. That is going to end happy. I think for, it might. I think, I think that Saul... And Rhea can get back together. Like, I think mm-hmm. that there is a world because she's in the like Devin setting in the background of like. Right. I don't think to, I don't think oh, that no. she's in the background of Jean's life, but I think that. Right, right, right. Like, no, I, I think, think Cody meant, the, I was saying, oh, I think sorry. she's going to be in the background of Breaking Bad. Oh, OK. Like, in Saul's life, we just never see her, but she's someone that's like. I think she's involved. Still with, pushing yeah. for Saul to be Saul. I think we're going to see that. But I also think there must come a point when she taps out 
when she disappeared. Right. When I but think that's wh- a lot of that's a lot of ground to cover I, I, in these next episodes. Yeah. I know, and I'm worried about that. But I suspect, in my mind, what if Walter White is the breaking point? That she's the person because she would be. Kim would be the person before Jimmy to go like, not this guy, mm. not this fucking guy. This guy is chaos incarnate. We need to get away from him. And what if he says no? And that's why they kind of separate. I don't know. But right. Yeah. Or or you know, in a moment of panic, he disappears her before right. him. That, you right. know. Um, you know. I guess the thought that I have about the happy ending is everyone that could get them is dead, right? Like there isn't, you know, there isn't any risk factor. Now, maybe from a government perspective, there might be, but at the same time, it's small potatoes. It's not Walter White out there, right? It's not like a, like, like you could see that the case is all tied up. Now, the other part of this that I would draw together is, but there's no reason for it, but I'll say it, uh, is that you get um, you get uh, Jesse Pinkman right. to visit him. Because right. Jesse Pinkman takes off. Like, you know, we have like, so Pinkman we know is out there. Yep. We don't know Kim, but I think that there, there will be, I don't think it's going to be like he gets shot in black and white and that's the end. I think it's going to be either. a Wizard of Oz moment where he meets Rhea, uh, Rhea again and the world goes to color and then that's and then they leave. In I think a, that's in a, very like, possible. It could be a very. I think it's like we've been talking about black and white and color. Like color, she brings color back into his life, and maybe they yeah. scam somebody, and that's how we they once a scammer, always I, I, a scammer. I, the so, only Jimmy. thing, the last thing I'll say um, is just that Vince Gilligan, in the run up to the end of Breaking Bad, the question he kept asking over and over again is, "What ending does Walter White deserve?" Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the question to be asking here. And I think if you ask yourself that question, Jimmy doesn't deserve a tragic end, really. No. He didn't really do anything that terrible. He turned a blind eye to some stuff. He, you know, cut some corners. Right. He was a, around people that were horrible uh, murderers and, and whatever else. But he himself didn't really do that much, you know? It, no, nothing so so horrible that he deserves well, a super tragic ending. I think but I, he almost yeah. does deserve a happy ending. Well, but I guess... Oh, go ahead, Cody, sorry. I don't know, because it's like... Listen, I've, like... I love the character of Jimmy. I think we've the, the character development into Saul has been so interesting and so fulfilling, so good. Mm-hmm. But do any of these people deserve at some point a happy ending? I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. And I, I, yeah. I actually don't know at this point for me what would be fulfilling or interesting for me because I'm just so like, I don't know. I mean, there's so many ways it could go. I'm so wrapped up in the story and I'm really interested to see what they give us and what it will be. I think I'll be probably fulfilled either way. But yeah, yeah I, I think the question I have is like, who who deserves what? In right. This? Like what? And, and you because they've done such a good job. You root for everybody. Right. Every character that's doing these awful, terrible things. God, you really want them to win. Should they always win? I don't know. I wanted Nacho to get away so bad. Oh, my God. I loved, yeah. Nacho was was like my favorite character. I know. Nacho was incredible. Michael Mando, what a performance all the way through the series. God, he's good. All right. Now, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Do you think that when we, because I think we now know for sure we're going to see Cranston and, 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 and Paul. Yeah. So that's confirmed. Is there any world in which Gene shows up to the cabin where Walter White is? Oh. Is that where they connect? Interesting. 
You know, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm trying to think of like where, because I am, I am just trying to think of like, mm. or or is it him like stopping being afraid? I don't. There's like he's so afraid. Oh yeah. I don't understand why he's so afraid. I As mean, I Gene, get it. You mean? As Gene, like the yeah. way that he's like. I mean, I guess maybe that's like the idea of living in witness protection that you feel like you're always, you know, he's not in witness protection as a matter of fact. He is just, yeah. On the run. He's on the run, yeah. Hmm. In the American Greed little bonus uh, episode that they made, they kind of make a point of saying that it's the DEA that are are searching for him still. And it's because of his, specifically because of his involvement in Hank and, and Gomi's death. That's specifically why they're still hunting. Uh, okay, because okay. He, he is pretty tied into that actually. Because you know his the phone records yeah. all show how integrated he was to all that stuff. So, so there well, there is still authorities that could come find him for sure. But and, anyone and I'll who might want to kill him is dead. <laughs> well, I guess I'll say this: that you were saying like, what do they deserve? Mm. And I guess my thought is, Jimmy is a coward. Yeah. So what is a coward's demise? Mm-hmm. I mean, but they all, but he seems Although to. Although when we leave him, he's making the choice to not be a coward as Gene. Remember, he's on oh, the phone right. with, with yes. Robert Forster and then he goes, actually cancel the extraction. And they're like, cancel right. it, you sure? And he's like, I'll take care of it myself. He's making, he, like the last time we see him in what I guess That's is the right. present, oh, we see him yeah. making a choice to, uh, that because that guy recognized him and right. implied he might be around to blackmail him, that he knows who he is and that he's on the run. And so Saul is going to take, well, Saul, Gene is going to get a little Saul back to take care of it himself. We don't know what that will look like, but that's the last time we see him. Well, yeah, I mean, how now, much of, it, of that care, how much of him can you take out of him exactly. in these situations? Right. I well, I wonder, I wonder if, oh, interesting. Mm. What if... If he thinks that Lalo is still alive, right. then I understand the real fear that Lalo will find him. Right? God, because that's a he, great point. Right? And so that's who he's really afraid of. Because Lalo went across the world right. to find he, this he, other... He thought he's been dead for the last, whatever, six months or whatever it is. Right. So yeah. maybe there is maybe there is a a world in which he finds out Lalo is dead. And that like sets him fi- free. Yes. That's interesting, mm. Paul. I don't hate yeah. that. Yeah. Under but, the, yeah, under, how would he yeah. find that out? Well, maybe as they are doing more forensic work on that mm. meth lab, they right. find his body. I mean, I would think, yeah, you, exact, possibly. If he's down there, if my theory holds. Um, I, yeah. I think that's a great theory. Like, yeah. I mean, I think we knew, yeah, Fring is so organized and thought he's, Fring's playing 40 chess out here, you know what I mean? Yeah, he really is. to keep checking it. But like, yeah, Lalo's down there. God, I'm so Hello, such a I'm terrified of him. <laughs> I know he's such a great actor. God, Tony Dalton. Tony Dalton. Tony Dalton. <laughs> great in Hawkeye out. too. Uh, great in Hawkeye as well. Oh, that's right. Uh, as like, but he's really like he's very good at comedy and everything. Is really scary. That's what's so uh, great about Lalo is that he's so funny. Like that's yes. why he's so scary. The first time we that, ever yeah. see him, when he, when Nacho comes in and he's just in the kitchen and he's making tacos, and and I remember rewatching this just recently and being like. Has anyone ever made a taco in such a sinister fashion before? I like, know. <laughs> I was like, I can't eat that taco. I can't eat that death uh, taco. <laughs> well, then I guess the other question is this, and, and this, no one knows the answer to this, like where Gene is in right. the timeline. Right. So that's the other thing. Like, So we don't know. We don't know if like Gene is on the same side as Walter White. We don't like, you know, like Walter White is, is, yeah. is Walter White murdered yet? We don't right. know that. Or, or, or according to your, you watch oh, that thing. So, so yes, actually this is interesting in the American greed little mini episode that is done as if it's like one commercial, one segment from like a, a dateline episode right. about the, about Jimmy and his connection to the Walter White case. But they make it really clear in that episode because they say at the moment, Walter and Jesse uh, have escaped 
So that means that takes place prior to Walter coming back at the end of Breaking right. Bad. This is when he's stuck in whatever, New Hampshire, um, mm. in Granite State, the second to last episode. So so it's interesting that they make that, that, that they do that, that they chose to have this little extra thing take place at that point rather than after Breaking Bad. Right. So this could, like, Gene could meet his end. And people have hypothesized that uh, Robert Forrester's character, Ed, said to Jesse Pinkman, like, that Saul met an unfortunate end. Right. Or, or, and obviously they're already making Saul at that point, but we don't know, you know, right. we don't know what the, what the, what it is, but, um, yeah. hmm. all I, right, this is good. I'm really hopeful that they filmed a little extra with Robert Forster. I will just say that because El Camino and his cameo in Better Call Saul were done on the same day. And oh, okay. I just would love to see Bob Forster he, one last time. Here's the thing I'll tell you. So we had Robert Forrester on NTSF. That's right. And, uh, and I was sitting down with him at lunch and we were just talking about Breaking Bad. And we had a great conversation about it. He's one of the, like, was one of the nicest, loveliest uh, guys you could possibly meet. Uh, and so sweet to everyone. Um, but we talked about Breaking Bad. And, and he, like, sat with all of us at lunch. We peppered him with a million questions. At that point, he had already shot the season finale of Breaking Bad. He did not let, like, and this is just a group of three people, all actors, all sitting together. He could have very easily said, well, you know, there may be some threat. threat. Did not allude to it in at all and it was so, like i, I love flipped that. <laughs> out when i saw it because like he already had done it he'd already done it and he spoke about it as if it was over and he did his thing and that like it was so uh for him to be even that careful with what he was revealing i thought was really great and he's great in el camino and if people have yeah. not seen el camino i highly recommend that that was really fulfilling that pa- was a really, Paul, I you and i have it. i feel like you and i like it a lot more than some people like i, I instantly loved el camino and i have i have read people be like eh, it's just a little low-key or this that and the other i'm like well yeah like what what other ending would there be to Breaking Bad? The coda should be kind yeah. of low key and character based and slow and kind of working through what this all meant to poor Jesse. I, I feel like I love El it. Camino is the the mix of Saul and Breaking Bad energy. Totally, like it's really in that middle. Do you like it, Cody? I need to rewatch it. I don't think I like immediately really loved it, mm-hmm. but also like. I think when it came out, I felt like I needed to watch it right away. And like, you yes, know, living the right. pandemic, sometimes I feel like I'm not in the brain space for certain content and totally. like, while I'll hold off. But I do think it's worth a rewatch because I do like, yes, I I think end of day with Breaking Bad, Saul and Camino, they're telling a really thoughtful story. Yes. And I appreciate everything going into it because how often do we feel? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's like a novel. It's a real. Everything it's has a novel. Been. It really is. Yeah. And I know people talk about that with uh, the wire all the time. But I know you have to both have to go. But I'll just say mm-hmm. that uh, it is worth a rewatch. I watched it way after it came out, and I think I enjoyed it way more because of that. Because mm-hmm. I think yeah. it also is in the more the the better call Saul energy. It's much. It's. It, like, it, it puts some finality to some characters. You get, like, a really beautiful Mike moment. And, oh, that's yeah. so good. Yeah, and like, the extra stuff with uh, um, Jesse Plemons is, yeah, is really, really good. good. I, I mean, I hate Todd more than yeah. anything well, on Earth. But Todd I Lolo. love But the extra stuff so with Todd. He's so evil. He's horrible. He's so the evil. worst. All right, um, this might be the officially longest last looked episode of all time. <laughs> uh, but I love it. We'll come back. We'll talk about it more when it comes back. I think Can't it's wait. good. All right. All right. See you all later. Bye. All right. Whew. 
That was a big one. Uh, so excited that you stuck with us here. And for commercial free access to How Did This Get Made and our entire archive and so, so much more, sign up for Stitcher Premium for a free one-month trial. Use the code BONKERS. A big thank you to our producers, Cody Fisher and Molly Reynolds, our engineer, Devin Bryant, and our publisher, July Diaz. We will see you next week for Moonfall. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.